guys, welcome back to Prepare to Share, the Queen's Christian Union podcast to equip and encourage us in our everyday personal evangelism. Uh, I'm Peter, or Hutchie as most people know me. And <laughs> yeah, I'm Johnny. And today we're joined by Michael Otts, uh, and we're looking a bit at culture today. Uh, so Michael, Michael was on us. Michael was on this podcast only a few weeks ago. Uh, you'll probably remember if you listened to us back then. Uh, Michael, do you want to just tell us again a bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, my name is still Michael Otts. Um, I still live in, in Marlow in Buckinghamshire, halfway between Oxford and London. And uh, I work as an evangelist, so I basically get the amazing privilege of talking about Jesus, uh, particularly in student contexts. So um, I work with um, an organisation called IFES, which supports Christian unions um, uh, all over the world. Um, and I work particularly across Europe um, with Christian unions in different parts of Europe. So uh, speaking at mission events and training events and doing things like this as well brilliant that sounds class and obviously uh, it's great because michael we're talking about culture and michael's currently visiting the greatest culture oh, yes. in the world oh, northern yes. ireland yes. <laughs> you know i mean we were just talking about that earlier some of our, our great culture uh, things we've produced the the ulster fry the Ulster Fry, indeed. It was a, it's a great cultural export. Mm-hmm. Oh, it um, is. Similarities to the English breakfast, I would say, but some mm-hmm. some, some definite improvements. I agree. Yeah. Um, the potato bread. Oh, it's quality. Oh, it. it's great. It's really good for mopping up your egg yolk. Oh, yeah. It's like, the best. Like, there, are, there is a way to eat an Ulster Fry, but I think it's definitely eat all the white first and then finally break the egg yolk over mm. the potato bread. Oh, brilliant. Yes. With a bit of bacon to finish. I'm so hungry right now. But and a 15, if you like, still. Oh, yeah, yeah, 15s. I haven't had 15. 15. I haven't yet. In fact, I need to text my wife to, get her to bring a 15 from Maggie Mays. <laughs> yeah. Do that now. Because she just said she was at Maggie Mays, so I'm like, get a 15. Yeah. Brilliant. And the, Yeah, you just don't get Trebex anywhere else. Well, you don't get as good a Trebex selection. I as a, agree. Never mind, a, the Presbyterian church Trebex. <laughs> At a wedding or a funeral, they're unbelievable. <laughs> whenever, <laughs> whenever true. I'm not in Northern Ireland, uh, particularly in Scotland, because there's a lot of Northern Irish students who go okay, to Scottish yeah. universities as well. Um, and when you have like the dessert evening, you oh, just yeah. hope that the students from Ulster oh, have yes. turned up because then you know <laughs> it's gonna be class. We love to hear that. Like there's one university in Edinburgh that's like eighty percent Northern Irish, and their awesome. dessert evenings are quality. Yeah. We have to get a dessert evening going. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, like let's jump in. Let's jump into culture um, and what that what that means for us. And actually, first of all, like why this is a podcast about our personal evangelism um, and like with our friends and everyday sort of thing. How how we do that? But why are we going to talk about culture? Um, why is that important at all to to what we're talking about? Yeah. So. Um Culture is a funny thing, isn't it? Because it's a bit like kind of water to a goldfish. It's like <laughs> it surrounds us and we're not really conscious of it, particularly when we're immersed in it. Um, and often we don't really think about our culture until we go to a different culture. So um, I've had the privilege, I guess, of being able to travel kind of all over the world, working with students, particularly different parts of Europe. And, and one of the things you learn when you go to a different part of the world is not just about that culture, but you suddenly realize a whole load of things about your culture that you never realized because you took them all for granted. Mm. So... It's really important to think about our culture because if we're going to articulate and communicate the good news about Jesus, we need to think about how we do it into our situation. Yeah. And and you see that in the Bible. So if you read through the book of Acts, you see how people like Peter and Paul communicated the gospel, but they did it very differently in one place to the next. So yeah. in 
Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem, speaking to a bunch of people who were Jewish, who understood the Old Testament and knew the idea of the God of the Bible, then they could communicate in a very straightforward way yeah. um, that showed that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of what had happened in the Old Testament. But if you go to chapter 17, Paul's in Athens, he's speaking to a bunch of philosophers who've never read the Bible and have heard nothing about God, mm. at least not the God of the Bible. And and he actually speaks in a very, very different way because he needs to connect the gospel to their culture. And he starts with this idol to an unknown God and then uses that as a bridge to talking about ultimately Jesus and the resurrection. Mm. So this is biblical. It's not just kind of practical. This is what people did in the Bible. They they thought, how can I connect the never-changing, amazing, wonderful good news of Jesus in an ever-changing mm. world and an ever-changing culture? Yeah, absolutely. Paul in Acts finds the presuppositions, the mm. beliefs that they hold and mm. show uh, almost the inconsistencies within them and also mm. the truthfulness of the gospel uh, at the same time. Mm. So it's the idea of no one what culture is and deconstructing it in a sense so that we can then build upon mm. it, build mm. upon it with the truth of the, mm. the word of God. Uh, I guess that's he, Paul saying he was being all things to all people, right? Uh-huh. And, and kind of knowing... You have to know what what the situation that you're going into, I guess, yeah, is to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah. And and Michael, obviously, you've been involved with student ministry mm-hmm. for years now, up to nearly twenty years, wasn't mm-hmm. it? You were saying. Yeah. Uh, what I do you think? I don't know that old, but uh, <laughs> yeah. not at all. Started young. What do you think's changed then, specifically in a university sort of context? Yeah. So yeah, I guess you know once you've been doing something for a kind of couple of decades, you start to see shifts in culture, which is really interesting. And you realise how culture changes and it's always hard to know how it's going to change in the future. Often yeah. it's only with hindsight that we can see what's really going on. But but I think there's been a big shift in culture. Um, in Western Europe, we live in a society which has been saturated with Christianity in history. Yeah. And yeah, we live in a part of the world, you guys particularly in a part of the world that is, is saturated and influenced by um, the Christian faith. Mm. And and so that still maintains an influence in our society. But but increasingly, we live in a society that is becoming secularized. People talk about a post-Christian society. Yeah. And that's been happening for a while. Um, so when I started doing university stuff, like nearly, as I say, 20 years ago, um, most students that you met on campus who weren't Christians had had some connection with Christianity in the past. They'd maybe grown mm. up going to church, to Sunday school, um, maybe they've got parents who were, were Christians and so on. And they had kind of reacted against that. They'd rejected the Christianity of their upbringing of their parents. Yeah. And people like that are often quite hostile to Christianity and they often embrace atheism um, as a kind of alternative belief system to the Christianity that they were maybe felt was forced upon them. Yeah. And it was interesting because 20 years ago, you know, you had people like Richard Dawkins. He wrote this book, The God Delusion, just yeah. after 9-11. And there was this real kind of rise in new atheism. Everyone was like, you know, everyone's going to become atheists. Yeah. And it was really popular. Like most students I met, even if they'd not read Richard Dawkins, had heard of him and they knew the kind of arguments against Christianity. And, and that was an opportunity because actually if people have arguments against Christianity, you can kind of engage with that, you know. Yeah. Um, so we had lots of talks on things like, you know, why does God allow suffering or how can Jesus be the only way or that kind of stuff, you know, how could a God of love send people to hell? And and that was great. But, but actually what I would say is we've kind of almost moved from being a post-Christian culture just to being a non-Christian culture mm. because actually a lot of students today, it's not just that, they are not Christian and they, you know, don't believe it. But actually, increasingly, a lot of students 
their parents weren't Christians either. Um, they haven't been brought up into um, a kind of Christian environment. They've not really engaged with, with Jesus or the Bible for themselves. Mm. And, and actually, those people are le- more likely to be agnostic than atheist. I always used to say atheists were always the people who are reacting against Christianity. Agnostic is someone who's just not really thought about it. Yeah. And, and that's a very different kind of situation because they're not asking the kind of the typical kind of God questions, you know, why does God allow suffering? You know, how can Jesus be the only way? Because they don't even know enough about Christianity to know what the questions are. Mm. Like they kind of presuppose a certain level of understanding about Christianity to even ask that right yeah you know you're not worried about hell if you've never heard about it you're not worried about jesus being the only way if you don't know that christianity claims that that jesus is Mm. so so actually i'd say we're now increasingly um in a situation where a lot of people are not atheists but agnostic um we've become increasingly secularized and yet and here's the rub although most people think they're completely secularized we can't get away from the fact we still live in a culture like not just Northern Ireland, I'm thinking, but like Western society in general, which has been massively influenced by Christianity. And so there are so many things that we hold as, you know, really important aspects of Western civilization, which are really the fruit of Christianity. Think about things like human rights and equality and and our concern for the environment and this reality, you know, all these things that are really important, you know, parts of society. But what people have forgotten is why they're important and where that came from. We just think that they're just like, they're just, they're obvious. Mm. But actually a study of history or even just a study of our world will show that they're not necessarily obvious. And you need to ask where have those things come from? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I find really interesting and, and I suppose concerning because you look at society and and you respect how everyone loves mm. human, everyone holds human yeah. rights and individual rights as the yeah. focal point of our society, so to speak. And, and even recently this idea of justice and longing for fair treatment of individuals. Mm. But if you follow what the secular world is telling us to its logical mm. conclusions that we're just accidents from mm. some random, completely mm. random unguided process, we're just floating bags of, you know, cytoplasm mm. on some mm. rock in space. Like why do we care about these things? And it's this, mm. it's this tension of that worldview combined with a belief in human rights. They just can't, they can't go together. Yeah. And I'm wondering like, when is it just going to, and who knows? Uh, I, I remember apparently making a mistake of, of bringing up in conversation at school with a girl that um, that I thought all human morals came from, from Christianity. In the West, anyway, I was I was saying that I thought uh, her morals probably came from Christianity and, mm. and did not get a good reaction to that. Um, mm. But still still see that in, in people, like everything that she would have said she believed, I I would have went back and said, well, I can show you in the Bible where, where I think that might have stemmed from. Mm, um, mm. There's a really great book um, written by uh, a non-Christian historian on this very topic, um, mm. a guy called Tom Holland, not the Tom Holland who plays Spider-Man. Oh, um, Tom Holland, um, who's a historian, but he, he's written this book called Dominion. And basically he's saying in the book, you know, so much of our society is, is the way it is because of Christianity. And he traces... Mm how Christianity has influenced the world in so many different ways. But the thing is, in many ways, it's been so successful in doing that, we've just forgotten why it happened in the first place. But actually, we get to this point where actually we assume these things are just inherent, you know, like human rights or equality and stuff like that. Um, But actually, they're not. 
And and one of the big questions we can ask people is, where does that come from? So mm. a friend of mine wrote a really interesting blog post um, as the Black Lives Matter protests were, were kind of taking off earlier mm. in the year. And he just asked the question, but why do Black Lives Matter? Which kind of sounds like a crazy question to ask. Yeah. But actually, why do we live in a society where we think that racism is bad? Mm. Because if we look back through history, we see that racism has existed throughout history in all sorts of cultures. So why do we now live in a culture where we are so exercised by this idea of equality? Because the problem is it doesn't root itself in, like you say, a naturalistic worldview, a worldview that takes God out of the picture. Mm. And there's a really helpful book, in a way, by a secular Israeli um, writer called Yuval Noah Harari. The book's called Sapiens. And it's helpful in the sense that he's writing it as a consistent atheist to an extent. And he's saying, well, you know human rights? He says, they're just an invention of Christianity. He says, there's no reason from a scientific point of view to think that you're really inherently worth, you know, what you think you're worth. And I find that helpful because actually he's saying, well, that's that's the case. Now, it's also kind of scary because if that's the worldview we're going to embrace in the West, a secular worldview, what's going to happen? Like, how long can you have the fruit? when you've cut yeah. yourself off from the root exactly. of where it's come from. And and you follow, you just look at, at history, and this is where, well, I suppose we can talk about it in the next podcast, engaging with mm-hmm. culture, but when you say to someone, if you go to a camp in, a Holocaust camp in Germany, are mm-hmm. you going to stand there and just go, this is wrong because I think it's wrong? Mm-hmm. But you're not, you're going to go, this is wrong, I know it's wrong, this is completely wrong. But then if you're going to say, there's a standard of good and a mm-hmm. standard of bad, uh, and that human rights are universal, accepted mm. and inherent mm. to, to who we are. Mm-hmm. At, and at the same time, hold that view of a naturalistic, mm. evolutionistic worldview. It doesn't work. It can't work. Uh, and, and bringing it back to a university mm. setting, what I found with a lot of my friends, uh, it's, it's just they don't want to think about these things. They don't want. Mm. They just want to live their life. Uh, their main goal in life is just to be satisfied and they don't want to think about these deep questions and these yeah. problems to solve as a society. Mm. Uh, mm. And that's how we can speak into that. It's, it's that agnostic meh. It's almost the biggest, not threat to the gospel, because we know the gospel will prevail no matter what, but I feel like the biggest issue for young people today is just apathy towards the gospel. They don't care. Mm. They don't want to hear mm. about these things. Mm. Uh, and that, I suppose that's where we hope this year and coronavirus being a thing changes it, because I feel specifically in culture we see the absolute panic that's ensued from mm. coronavirus and how now death is on people's minds it's just let's run away from it let's leg it yeah uh, mm. and it's that quote i can't remember who said it but it used to be you know sex was the taboo thing in culture but now now it's death mm. no one wants to talk about death mm. uh, and i think that's really interesting when we look at culture because it has no answer to death and this is where we as christians need to be brave and bold because we do we yeah and, and actually, you bring up something really helpful because I think um, I wrote something about this recently, actually. When we think about the response of the Western world, because really it was kind of the Western world and, and Europe particularly that kind of led that response because it was yeah. affected, affecting us in, in some ways um, initially before lots of other parts of the world. Um, there, are, there is, in a sense, our react, something in our reaction that shows how Christian we are, but also something that shows how far we've removed ourselves from Christianity. So... Mm. In a sense, the fact that we're willing to, to experience such great restrictions to our freedom um, and great costs to our lives to care for those who are vulnerable and elderly is massively Christian. I mean, like, yeah. we don't just say, oh, forget people if they're you know old and weak. Um, it doesn't really matter. Um, mm. The rest of us will just get on and enjoy life. Like, 
where do we get that idea from? Why do we think yeah. that the elderly are so valuable? Why do we want to protect the weak and the vulnerable? That's not an inherent thing that's always been around in society. But why do we think that? Well, Christianity. Um, but you could look at it a different way and say, are we so utterly scared about death that basically we will do anything possible to try and avoid the inevitable? Mm-hmm. And and the reality is that you know we live in a world where people die. And yet the secular worldview thinks you know death is a technical problem you know we'll always find a technological technical technological answer to everything and and actually this is humbling i think western society because it's making us realize hey we're not in control and no matter how hard we try we cannot avoid death and we're going to have to face up to it and maybe our inability to face up to death is also the thing that's preventing us from also being able to live Mm. and you know it does strike you doesn't it i was just reading something the other day someone was saying you know um, we're doing all of this to stop ourselves from dying, but actually, what's the point of life if you know um, that is the case? Yeah. And Hebrews chapter two verse fifteen mm. talks about how Christ has set those who were in bondage to the fear mm. of death free. And mm. as Christians, that's that's where we are now. Uh, I know we sort of sidetracked from culture, but it is important to know <laughs> that we we are set free from death, mm. and we should be bold and courageous mm. in in the face of it. Uh, and mm. at the same time, like you said, Michael, about being caring for the the poor and the weak and the vulnerable without a christian worldview that makes no Mm. sense it Mm. it doesn't because uh, you look Mm. at cultures that have forgotten god and uh, the soviet union even china Mm. right now we Mm. look at the the awful treatment of the Mm. the muslim yeah i can't remember the The uyghur muslims yeah yeah, the uyghur muslims and how how they're treated Uh, and i think that's an overflow of of a of a purely naturalistic Mm. reductionist worldview Mm. Uh, Mm. yeah and I suppose next next episode we'll talk more about how we can engage in a culture like that and, yeah. and looking at, at students, especially at Queen's, where it's, a lot of it's apathy, they don't care. And I know a lot of people go to church at Christmas and Easter and that's all they go to. Uh, it's just something in the back of their minds. It's nothing that completely dictates and controls mm-hmm. everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's so many resources out there when we look at culture and how to think biblically about it. Uh, I don't know, should we recommend a few? I I think, uh, Michael, if you have any you would recommend, I've definitely, I've been listening to uh, This Cultural Moment um, with John Mark Comer and and Mark Sayers. And Mm -hmm. um, for some people, you probably won't find this interesting at all. But um, if you're like me, it's been super interesting kind of um, looking deeper into what Western culture um, is and where it's come from. Um, So definitely check some of that. So yeah, that's a really time. helpful podcast. And uh, to name one other podcast, um, there's a podcast called the Speak Life Podcast. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine, uh, Australian evangelist called Glenn Scrivener, yep. um, runs an organization called Speak Life. And they, um, every week, do a podcast where they're just looking, or a live cast, I think, and then they make it a podcast later. And they um, look at different things that are happening in culture and how we can relate the gospel to it. So there's some really interesting stuff. So like just literally last week, they had a whole hour's discussion over the Netflix documentary Cuties, because everyone was up oh, in arms about oh, yeah. what was happening with this documentary that um, seemed to be like glorifying kind of child sex- sexual exploitation. Yeah. But it was a fascinating discussion in terms of like, well, how have we got to this point in culture? How do we respond to it? So that's mm. just one example, but every week there's some different stuff. So I found that really helpful um, because these are the kind of things people are talking about and it helps you to think, actually, as a Christian, how can I think about that Christianly and then how could I input into a conversation as a yeah. Christian to be salt and light yeah absolutely and I feel like I have to recommend a resource <laughs> now too because you have uh, one 
group I really like is called Apologia Studios or Apologia Radio on podcasts. It's run by an American pastor called Jeff Durbin and they look at culture. And, and another note, just like Michael was talking about that cuties, a film, I feel like a lot of us can just think what is going on in this world. Mm. And if you want a prescription for it, look, read the first few chapters of Romans, uh, mm-hmm. honestly, and you will see mm-hmm. uh, once we change, exchange the knowledge of the true creator and exchange it for idols, that's what happens. We're handed over to our own desires mm-hmm. and that's why we are where we are. And Cuties is now standardized, that awful mm. Uh, Netflix documentary so yeah yeah I'm really looking forward to um, to next week and hearing how we can actually begin to engage with this culture then um, and look to um, just share Jesus with our fr- friends in it um, so thank great. you so much Michael and um, it's been great to have a look at this with you um, and we'll see you guys yeah. back next week thanks for listening thank you, thank you.